Hey, my name is Randy. Good to be with you. Good to be back. And uh, we had a bunch of us gone for a while uh, down to Costa Rica. We gave some input up on that. Just leave, uh, leave it down there for him. I'll just use this one up here now. Anyway, we are glad to be with all of you. I'll just bring your attention here in your program. You will have gotten a nice little blue sheet with some uh, stuff going on around it. We've got some youth, a youth camp coming up. Uh, also, we are hosting some classes here on Sunday afternoons from 2.30 to 3.30 every afternoon on sun every afternoon, on Sunday afternoons prior to our service. Uh, each Sunday, we uh, have are having two classes, and those will be swapping out, I guess there's one more week, and then uh, starting in August, we'll have two more. would highly encourage you to join us for those. Uh, currently, they're meeting out in the lobby area, and would love to have you there for us. Uh, there is uh, one announcement. Uh, there's somebody had a baby this weekend. I'm not <laughs> quite sure who that was. One of my daughters had uh, D'Artagnan Aiden Applegate, born at 1 a.m. on Saturday morning. So we are, everybody, mommy and baby are fine. Not so sure about the papa yet, but... He's still working on it. Anyway, that is where my wife is today, is over there uh, with her daughter. So if you're missing Clara, that's where she's at. Also, just uh, there are some missionary updates on here, a variety of our missionaries, and uh, hope that uh, you can be praying for them. There is a Gray Connect card uh, in here. If you're a guest with us, we're really happy that you're here, and we would love an opportunity to get acquainted with you be able to drop you a thank you note for visiting. Also, at the um, welcome table after the service, if you'll bring me the Gray Connect card, if you're a guest, I'll give you a visitor packet, uh, a guest packet that has uh, various information in it and a music CD of some of our vineyard music. So we would love to be able to do that for you. Also, on that same Gray Connect card, there is a place on the back on the bottom for you to list any prayer needs or prayer requests that you might have. And uh, we get these to our intercessory team as they, as you would get them to us. And we would love the opportunity to be praying and supporting you uh, in that way. So we were uh, going to have another skit from our Costa Rica uh, event, but we are struggling with getting the correct music background. So we don't have that ready for you, but we will use that at some point in the future. If I could have the um, uh, ushers come down and pass the baskets at this time, we'll do our tithes and offerings. This is an opportunity for you to uh, give back to God and the ministries of this church. And um, at that point, I would welcome David to come, and you can use that map. Mike. Howdy. How exciting to see all these seats filled. This is awesome. Uh, let's see. Let me back. I'm going to back up a couple of weeks because uh, we have um, what I am thinking. What? Oh, kids. <laughs> kids, go, you're free to go to your classes. <laughs> They're like waving at me. I'm like, okay, I want to wave back. And I'm like, How awesome. Look at all those kids. Go, God. Okay, uh, again, I want to back up a couple of weeks because what has been happening, it just dawned on me, is we've got a bit of an inadvertent series going on. <laughs> it's um, it's the thing God has knitted together. And we couldn't have done it this way, and you'll get more detail in a moment, but... A couple of weeks ago, for those that weren't here, we talked um, in, in some length about worship and what you know different aspects of worship. And it was my distinct privilege to give our one of our own worship leaders, Justin Taylor, some time on the mic, and he shared some from his heart, and that was awesome to see him get to do that. And one of the things that came up during that that message was 
that there's a uh, one of the words for praise or one of the uses for one of the the Greek words for praise is also can be boasting. And for those of you that weren't here last Sunday, essentially that's what we did. Is we did we boasted about God and what God's doing and what God did with the team while they were uh, on their trip in in Costa Rica. And so now we're actually going to set the stage for next week when the team gets to do their skit. Maybe it, hopefully it'll be even more meaningful to you after we have our message today because we are going to talk about communion and it actually is another form of worship or another aspect of worship and um, also again it's my privilege to team up with a younger partner and um, a better looking partner and okay I'll stop there yes stop Stop, stop, and your little Carson thing. Go oh, stop, stop. Anyway, um, it is my distinct privilege to call to the stage our very own Rick Sharp. Thank you, Mr. Denley. Okay, I'm Rick. I am the bass player, and I fill in his hands hurt. I don't know how to use it. I'm still setting up my little stage manager. It's okay. It's all right. Okay. My name is Rick Sharp. Um, I am up here a lot, so this is kind of awkward. Um, but I am here to talk about communion. And really, um, in a brief overview of what I'm going to talk about is, is how communion is um, centered around remembering um, I guess what Jesus did for us uh, on the cross and reference that through the Last Supper. Um, so, before I do that, let's pray. Um, dear Daddy, thank you for giving me the privilege to speak here. Uh, I ask that you put words in my mouth and um, give understanding to everybody here because it's, it's all up to you at this point. Um, we love you and we thank you for today as hot as it is, and uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Amen. So, um, I guess I will begin by reading from some scriptures I found on communion. Um, the first, it's really 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen through 34. No, that's too long. 23 through 26. Um, and basic, basically what Paul is doing is, is he's explaining to the church in Corinth um, what was going on in Corinth at that time was people were showing up for communion and eating a lot or drinking a lot or really coming there without a proper mindset of what was really going on when you took communion, when you partook in that action of remembering what Jesus did. So, it says, For I have received from the Lord himself that which I have passed on to you. It was given to me personally. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was treacherously delivered up, and while his betrayal was in progress, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to call me affectionately to remembrance. Similarly, when supper had ended, he took the cup also, saying, This cup is the new covenant, ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it and call me affectionately to remembrance. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're representing and signifying and proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. Um, I want to read it in the message as well, just because the message seems to me to be a, a better translation for today. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, well, um, I'm, I'm really gauging you guys. Like, if I'm going to get blank stares, I'm going to take a step back and try to explain things. So, um, he says, let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions from the Master himself and passed them on to you. The Master Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This, is, this cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. 
What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the Master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the Master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. What I got out of this really what struck me was the word remember. Typically, in Western thinking, um, and what I mean by that is uh, anything Latin or coming out of the Roman Empire. Yes? Okay. Um, basically, what that is is, is kind of, when I, when I say, hey, do you remember when, people go, oh, yeah, I was there, right? Where it's, uh, do you remember when we went to the lake? Do you remember when we took that road trip? Do you remember when we did whatever? And the kayaks flew off the suburban, yeah. Um, and, and in some cases, culturally, a lot of the time, it's represented in holidays. Um, Martin Luther King Day, 4th of July, even Christmas at this point. And a lot of our social standing is just, hey, remember when Jesus was born? You know, oh, yeah, okay. It's, it's something to represent a corporate memory of what was going on. The original Greek really emphasized something more along the lines of reenacting th- that which we are referring to. Um, a good example of this would be the Civil War reenactors. You can go all along the East Coast, and there are dudes that literally get dressed up in the original, not the original because it's too old, but <laughs> the, the, the real deal with the real muskets, and they go out and they charge the field and they reenact it. There are other people that go, hey, remember in history class in freshman year we talked about the Civil War? Do you see the difference? These guys are actually diving into the trenches, remembering in this Greek aspect what the Civil War was really all about. They can, they can tell you how it feels to shoot the gun. They can tell you how it feels to get mud all over you. That's kind of what this is. In a similar case... We, every time we take of this, we need to recognize that it was designed divinely to take us back to the actual action of Jesus dying for our sins and ratifying us into a complete and whole relationship with God. Okay? Yes? Okay. But the thing is, communion does not stop in death. Um... Granted, we celebrate the Lord's death over, I mean, for the forgiveness of our sins, but it doesn't stop there. Communion is also designed as a celebration of his risen from the grave, ratifying us purely, sheerly by a gift. Like We could not do this ourselves. I mean, it's, it's just too much for one human being unless he was God incarnate, perfect, sinless, he t- it says he became sin, rose from the dead, conquered death to give us eternal life. Okay. Paul goes on later on in Corinthians to explain this to the church. He says, um, and this is, verse, this is chapter 15, 13 through 19. He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been risen either. And if Christ was not raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your trust in God is useless. And we apostles will be all lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the dead, but that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still under condemnation for your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ have perished, and if we have hope in Christ only for this life, we are, in the, most, we are the most miserable people in the world. What he was trying to tell the church was, listen, when you go walking in and you partake of those things, the cracker and the juice in this case, it's not only I recognize what Jesus did, I recognize how he died for me. And, and also going back in that action, I mean fully, divinely, um, a lot of the early church fathers call it the divine mystery because there's just no way to explain it. Somehow the Holy Spirit brings us our spirit to a oneness together, which is why we do it communally, why we do it all together, to recognize his death, but also celebrating, again, his risenness, 
and I guess risenness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> computer science major, not an English major. <laughs> but you understand what I'm trying to say? He, he, it's, it's a whole entire picture. Basically, what Paul was trying to get at in Corinth was to come in here to sit down and go, okay, communion, okay, that's going to be an extra 10, 15 minutes in the service. That means uh, lunch or dinner's delayed. I gotta. That's not the point. The point is to come here with an open spirit to really reenact what truly went on when Jesus gave this gift to us, the ultimate gift of redemption to bring us into a complete and whole and perfect relationship with God. <laughs> Good job. Okay, thanks, Rick, for setting the stage for the remembrance part. What I want to do is dig in a little deeper into um, the what we're going to remember. And then we will actually do some remembering, and we will take communion. So what I want to do, uh, well, first off, this is for fun as much as anything. There, There's a verse in Isaiah Isaiah 43:26 that puzzled me for a long time. It took me a while to get some understanding because um, Isaiah prophesies. Of course, when he's prophesying, he's speaking the words of the Lord, and so it's first person, but it's not Isaiah's thought. It's the Lord's thoughts coming through Isaiah. And so he says, put me in remembrance of my word. And that just bugged me for a while. Because, okay, God's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's omniscient. You didn't forget your word, did you? No, I, you know, I don't think so. But it, in, in it's one of those duh moments. Um, it's not for him, it's for us. <laughs> okay? Um, he wants to know that we know. And so, you know, there when we talk about, you know, why we come to church and you know, the, the fivefold ministry, equipping the saints and all that kind of thing. It's to get people to where they're more aware of the word of God so that they can appropriate to a greater degree uh, the promises that are in there. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking about this when we were singing the song. It's like, you know, one of the, I think the last song is, you are the everlasting God. You you don't faint. You don't grow weary. It's like, okay, now we're not down here cheerleading a doddering old God. That you can't get her done, you know. I mean, you know, if we weren't telling, yes, I'm sure he, I know he got some pleasure out of that. It was for us. Okay, it's for us to know, to drive that down into our spirit that we can count on him in a greater way. So, anyway, that's that's a freebie. Okay, so um, what I really want to get into is a bit later in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 53, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 5, especially uh, 4 and 5. And you've probably heard, uh, this is, I'm going to read what I believe is probably the most familiar uh, translation of this passage is from the New King James. He is despised and uh, rejected by men. Okay, wait, I'm sorry. I meant to set the stage a little bit. This is about 700 years before the birth of Christ. Okay? And so Isaiah is actually prophesying about the Jesus that's not going to come for another 700 years or so. And one of the things that I thought about just even in that is that, you know, prophets... One of the one of the laws in the Old Testament was if prophets were caught being false prophets, if they're in, they got stoned to death. Okay, and so there's some risk on their part in stepping out and delivering a word, a word that God has given them to deliver. And the thing is, is the prophet part of the 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 prophetic is that the person delivering the message in virtually all cases, does not know the timeline. 
because then God can confirm his word through someone else with a timeline and you can fit it all together. Okay, so, you know, all the prophets in the in the Old Testament, I mean, every time they spoke a word of, of prophecy, they're really putting themselves on the line. And so, you know, here's Isaiah not knowing that his prophecy is going to come true 700 years later. But he, you know, it's like, how do you prove that? <laughs> you know, so... Anyway, so that's, um, you know, maybe as you read the the prophets sometimes, maybe kind of keep that in mind. Um, okay, so he's prophesying about Jesus. says, he, was, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our, for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, how many have heard that before? Okay. Um, you know, that alone, just delivered that way, that would be an awesome thing to remember. Um, but what I want to do is put it in uh, a little bit different context for you. Um, and I think it will or my hope and my prayer is that it will have even a greater impact on you. So we're just going to look at a few of the phrases uh, in verses 4 and 5 and um, look at some alternate uses of some of the words there. So the, we have the phrase, He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. What that amounts to basically is provision for emotional and physical healing and deliverance. Because the word griefs can also mean uh, weaknesses, sicknesses, or afflictions. And the word sorrow is to be in pain is an, another way of looking at that. So just to rephrase that, what Jesus did was he carried our pain and sickness to the cross. Then there's the phrase, he was wounded for our transgressions. Um, one of the common elements in in this passage to me as I looked into what the words really meant in a deeper way was how little they conveyed the the true um, I don't even know how to how to describe it but the true nature of, of exactly what happened so, you know, when you think of wounded, I mean, to me, it's like, okay, you hear people talk about getting a flesh wound or, you know, something like that. Well, in Jesus' case, it was hardly a flesh wound. Um, especially if you've seen Passion of the Christ, you have a pretty good idea of, of how he ended up. And another translation for the word that's often used as wounded is pierced and also transgressions is really rebellion and we were born into a fallen world brought on by the original rebellion of Adam and Eve and I have another guest who's going to share briefly on this subject my wife Mariana very briefly since once again I get to play bad cop um, Rebellion also, you, the word sin is used. I told David, I don't think you can really get in touch with the idea of communion or of the cross without understanding sin. And human beings, our nature is we go to one extreme or the other. So we either think, okay, sin, yes, I'm sinful. I've messed up so bad, nothing could possibly make it better. Not even Jesus. Or we go to the other extreme you know, I'm a pretty good person. I haven't killed anybody recently. And, you know. And so sometimes it's hard to get in touch with that um, concept of sin. And, and I think that's part of why we don't want to think about the cross too much or we take communion really fast. Um, and the idea is more missing the mark. It's not just killing someone, it's hating them. That's what Jesus said. It's not just hurting someone, it's not protecting them when you could have. And so for me, part of what communion does for me is give me an opportunity to really focus and 
for example, one of the struggles I have in my life um, is talking bad about people. And so I will remember that and remember that for this reason, Jesus had to die. If nobody else had ever lived, if nobody else had ever sinned, for my little yakety yak yesterday about whoever, for that alone, he had to go through all that. And that really puts me in contact with it because the communion is he meets us at our weakness. He meets us at our lowest point. And he allows himself to be broken in order to meet us there. And so just be cognizant of that as we um, partake. Thank you. Okay, so again, to rephrase, you could say he was pierced for our rebellion so we could be made right with God. Another, the next phrase is he was bruised for our iniquities. And again, bruised, that doesn't, give the connotation that of what really happened I mean, it wasn't you know randy says from time to time you know jesus wasn't just having a bad day you know i mean it wasn't just a little bump. he didn't stump his toe you know it's it's um it's a pretty good <laughs> pretty good beating he took and actually the word bruised in the original language could be used to connotate or connote crushed and misshapen. And you, again, if I keep referencing the the passion of Christ because it's such a visual reminder of or a representation of what happened. I mean, we can visualize it in our own mind as we read the um, cruci- crucifixion accounts, but it's nothing like actually seeing something like that. It's just it's powerful. And if you haven't seen it, I really recommend that you do so. You know, is as the crucifixion went on, as the process went on, Jesus became virtually unrecognizable and so misshapen. He was that crushed and misshapen. Iniquities. Now, when you think of the word iniquities, do you really think you've done a bad thing? You know, is that what, you know, again, you know, when it's one of those words that this day and time, it's all but meaningless for us. So let's look at an alternate use of this word as well. Perversions is another use of the word that is translated here as iniquities. And what I want to say is related to this is Jesus died for the most perverse, the most perverse of people. There is healing for the most perverse of people and the most perverse of acts. And I don't care who you are, what you've done, what's been done to you, and how you've responded to it. Jesus died for you. It's like like Mariana mentioned, her individual sin was enough for him to, to die. The individual things that have happened to each and every one of us was enough for him to die, to release that healing. So again, to rephrase, he was crushed for our perversions. And what this allows is it's a provision for spiritual healings. There is the forgiveness of sin aspect, but beyond that, there is healing for how perversions have affected our spirits, no matter how misshapen they have become. Okay, let's look at chastisement of our peace. The word peace, it, it, you can consider, you know, when you're what's going on when you're not at peace. Okay, there's emotional or there's mental issues going on, and chastisement just isn't that strong a word these days anymore. I mean, to get chastised, it's okay. You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, my ten-year-old son did something and required some punishment, and so we he wrote 200 sentences of one kind or another. Okay, that was a chastisement, okay? Yes. <laughs> um, so let's look at what truly happened. So verse 3, let's back up just a bit. It states that he was despised and rejected. So think about this. If you don't know the account of the um, the Passion Week, Sunday comes around. 
and Jesus is with his entourage, and they're entering into Jerusalem. And all the people are shouting praises and to him and going so far as even to lay palm branches on the road in front of him. Okay, so they're on his side. Five days later, the very same people, just as loudly, are shouting, crucify him. So he knew rejection on a massive scale. And then, again, in the mental area or emotional area, in Luke chapter 22, verses 42 to 44, is an account of where Jesus is praying just before the troops and the Judas and whatnot, whoever the whole gang was, came, came to get him. And he says this. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, just about every teaching I've ever heard on this verse really focuses on the the drops of blood and the sweat and all that. But the word anguish there is really, a, it's, it's a very interesting word there. Um, the Amplified Bible actually uses this phrase in place of anguish. It's an agony of mind. Has anybody ever known any mental agony of one kind or another? You don't have to raise your hands if you don't want to. Um, that word there is actually the Greek word agonia. And interestingly enough, it only appears one time in the entire Bible. And it's used in this in this time to uh, indicate what Jesus is going through. And, and here's what it really means. There's a couple of things. One, it's a struggle for victory, as in a gymnastic exercise or gymnastics or wrestling. It's the sports of the day. And so... You know, those of you that are not sports fans and, you know, don't like sports metaphors, I'm sorry, but it's traditional. It goes back to the first, it's right here, the first century, okay? So, the other use of the word is of severe mental struggles and emotions, and then the aforementioned agony and anguish. And so, because Jesus overcame his agony, we can be healed of emotional issues, of issues of the mind and the will. Remember he said, not my will, but yours be done. And then there's, by his stripes we are healed. And this is provision for physical healing and restoration of destiny. And I want you to note especially that the word is present tense, are healed. And there are some that propose that the... Um, Healing doesn't happen these days, that that stopped with the apostles. But I just want a, a quick reminder that I'm borrowing from someone else is, you know, the, the gifts are, are, the healing gifts are referred to as gifts of the Spirit, not gifts of the apostles. And we still have, there's no question that we have the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the word, that, the Hebrew word that's translated healed is the word rapha. And this is, I thought this was fascinating. The root of the word originally meant to sow or to mend. And the sound of the root word actually imitates the sound of someone sowing rapidly. And it's used in a variety of ways. Sewing up a wound, healing a disease, in a corporate sense of restoring a nation, a nation and when water is purified, when it's unfit for human consumption, but then it's purified and made to where it's drinkable, that same word, Rafa, is used. So the water actually is healed, if you will. And so if you think of, you know, our bodies are, what, 97% water? Um, yeah. Think, think, think on that a little bit. Okay, so... Having gone through this passage and come up with some alternatives, what I want to do now is give you a paraphrase of verses 4 and 5. 
and hopefully, I mean, I was, <laughs> it was impactful to me when I was typing it out, so hopefully it will impact you as well. Surely Jesus took the full weight of our infirmities, weaknesses, sicknesses, afflictions, sorrow, pain, and grief with him to the cross where they and he were nailed. Unless our eyes are opened by him to the truth, we cannot understand the power of the now empty cross or the full nature of his sacrifice. He was pierced through so that our rebellious, sinful nature could be transformed. He was beaten and crushed so that the perverse acts we have committed or were committed against us could no longer affect our spiritual health. The price he paid that we could not empowers us to know shalom peace in our minds, wills, and emotions. Through the lashes and scourging that Jesus endured, our physical bodies are mended, healed, and restored. Ultimately, we teleos to be whole. And if we think back to what Rick shared about the, the you know a deeper concept of remembering, of remembrance, of reenacting. Um, you think this is something worth keeping in remembrance? I think so. Okay, so we are going to celebrate, and it is a celebration. We're going to celebrate communion now. And here at the vineyard, we practice what we refer to as open communion. If you have professed the Lord as your Savior, you're welcome to um, share communion with us. If you haven't yet taken that step, I would invite you heartily to give at least strong consideration to doing that now, to inviting the Lord into your heart, to making him Lord and Savior, and to begin to appropriate these things that I just mentioned. It's there. It's alive. It's real. It happens. Every one of these things has happened to me, and I know of two dozen other people in here that could testify to um, a variety of different types of healing. There's people waving at me. And um, so uh, just a, a, we're going to do it a little bit differently. And normally we have what would be, I guess, be called a standard loaf of bread. But we're going to use, we're using matzo bread today. Okay. And let me get my prop out here. I don't know if you can see it from here. You'll get to see it uh, up closer in a little bit. But the um, matzo bread is actually produced with at least four characteristics that can remind one of the um, the crucifixion and what Jesus did on the cross. The bread has brown lines running through it, which give the appearance of bruises. The bread has long lines embedded in the surface that look like stripes. There are holes in it that give the appearance that the bread was pierced. And as you can see, it's flat, so it's baked without yeast or leaven. And in, at times in the Bible, leaven is referred to um, is, is, a, is a euphemism for sin. And so, you know, the basic things that are involved here are or actually represented in the bread, which is really fascinating. Um, so uh, what let's do is um, start with the front row, and you'll just go. We'll just go up the the side, and don't go all the way to the back because you'll get in the middle of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's a. Yeah, there's a pathway, and you can just make a big circle and come back to your seat. And what um, 
Uh, wait, I'm sorry. I almost left something out. You could. What I want to do is make this even a little more personal. And have actually taken the paraphrase and turned it into a prayer. And we're going to pray through this together in a moment when, after they've been passed out. And what I invite you to do is, well, first of all, as you pass by the table, to not get a whole piece of the bread, but to break a piece off and just to get in touch with the idea that his body was broken for us and that it was directly for us that he went through what he went through. And then um, take a, a cup of the juice, which just to be consistent today is kosher grape juice. Okay, So we're doing as close to Jewish things we can today. And... Um, and then just go back to just go back to your seat, and I invite you to then review the prayer, and you know just kind of ponder what Jesus has done for you. And then following that, what I'd like to do is invite those that have been trained to pray, um, home group leaders and others, to be available up front for for prayer time. And if you anything that you feel like that has come up today, if you're struggling with something physical, uh, emotional, any of the above, all the above that we've already mentioned earlier, the provision for healing for those things have been made. And we believe in the power of prayer here. We believe the power of the, of the healing of Jesus. So um, we will have some people up here available to pray for you. And just invite you all to come up and receive prayer. And we will reassemble here next Sunday. And the skit that we'll start with next Sunday, God willing, and the music shows up, will I think will connect you back with today's message. So go in peace and serve the Lord and serve yourself to communion. While you're doing that, I want to recite the, the, the prayer. I was going to have us do it together, but I forgot. <laughs> but I will recite this while we're um, going through this, the process of getting the elements. And this is a prayer that you can, you know, we've made a copy for you to take home and that you can pray this uh, at any time. Actually, um, Mariana and I have instituted a daily practice of having communion uh, in our home, and it's it's been a really cool time of connecting with each other and with Jesus. Surely you, Jesus, took the full weight of my infirmities, weaknesses, sicknesses, afflictions, sorrow, pain, and grief with you to the cross where they and you were nailed. Unless my eyes are opened by you to the truth, I cannot understand the power of the now empty cross or the full nature of your sacrifice. You were pierced through so that my rebellious, sinful nature could be transformed. You were beaten and crushed so that the perverse acts I have committed or that were committed against me could no longer affect my spiritual health. The price you paid that I could not empowers me to know shalom peace in my mind, will, and emotions. Through the lashes and scourging that you, Jesus, endured, my physical body is mended, healed, and restored, ultimately to be teleos, to be whole. Thank you, Lord.
just to um, clarify, if you haven't taken the elements, just take it as you as you desire, as you uh, review the prayer. And I invite you to focus on a specific part. And Lord Jesus, I just ask that you would that you would touch everyone here. That you would meet everyone at their place of need. That each would receive exactly what they need today from you, whatever that looks like. You know, Lord, I know.
I just wanted to, I just felt like when we were sitting here um, that the Lord just wants to encourage um, a lot of people here. I just kept getting the word um, encourage, encourage. Um, so I'm just kind of stepping out in faith that uh, there's people here who need some encouragement. Um, I was getting a couple of things for some individual people and if anyone else was getting this sense, if you want to come up and encourage others, I invite you to do so. Um, but I just felt like uh, people just needed to know uh, that God is with you. Uh, I just really felt like the Lord wanted to say that He knows where you are right now and that He is with you, that you're not alone, and He knows exactly where you what you're what you're going through and where you're at and like David spoke earlier um, he is a big God and that he is bigger um, than what you're going through right now um, and specifically uh, this couple right here I don't know I'm sorry I haven't met you all but I, I just was seeing uh, like a cloud of doubt over you and I just felt like the Lord wants to encourage you that you have stepped into where he wants you to be. And that he just wants to speak away that doubt that is uh, just kind of clouding over you. And he just wants to speak clarity to you and focus. And he just wants to assure you that you are right where he's called you. So... Take strength in that and uh, walk in faith because he is with you and um, he is there to support you and strengthen you. And there was somebody else, but I think they've left. So, <laughs> uh, but if anyone else has anything else, I just open the mic to whoever wants to say anything. remember what I was reading this week I came across the idea that the essence of God is communion if you think of it it's, it's a three person God Father, Son and Holy Spirit constantly in communion with each other and the thought that he invites me into that communion um, is mind blowing this is encouragement to, to each of us that we don't have to be good enough or any of that stuff to be invited into that um, that intimacy with God and that when we feel alone that has to be a lie because the very last thing Jesus said before he ascended was look I am with you always even until the end of the universe
Draw me 